Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have Dwayne Adams, and I've had Dwayne on before, and he's always a very popular guest. Dwayne, you looks like you've been doing a lot of hunting. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing real good. Thank God. Uh, I just come off of five days of coos deer hunting uh, today, what, the day you called. That's, uh, that's fantastic. You're on the road to 1,000, right? I'm on the road to a thousand. It's kind of interesting you say that. I, I killed five hundred and four bucks now. Uh, as of that's this, awesome. This month. Yes, that's fantastic. That is just amazing, and um, still just going at it as strong as ever. I really appreciate that about you. The passion that you have for hunting is is awesome, and um, I want to talk about deer, uh, the kayabab, and talk about these coos deer. But before we get into that. Uh, you typically guide up in Unit 1 and have for many, many years uh, for the archery and whether it's the early rifle or the muzzleloader hunt up there in Unit 1. Uh, how was it up there for the elk hunt in, in Arizona for Unit 1 this year? Uh, how was the year up there? We had a great year. We had five uh, clients, and they all killed bulls, thank God, uh, on, on the archery season. Uh we, we did really well, Jay. Uh, we, we've seen a lot of good bulls that were in their caliber uh, between 310, I mean 330, and about uh, 360. And we got after several bulls, you know, the, in that 370, 380 range, and we were lucky enough to kill one of them. We killed one bull and that, and the other clients killed the bulls in 330s to 350s. That's always a good hunt. Uh, was the bugling any better or any worse or pretty much the same as always in Unit 1? It's typically known as a unit that the elk bugle pretty good. How was it this year? Well, as you know, Jay, because you're a world-renowned elk hunter, they, they had the season a week later, and it was unbelievable. From the time we got there at the 15th of September to the end of the season, uh, they were screaming their guts out. Uh, thank God. Uh, we had a, we had a lot of activity bugling and 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 it it sure makes it a lot more fun. By the time the archery hunt was you know getting over and it was rolling into the was it I forget if it was muzzleloader or early rifle this year were the bulls broken up or did they stay fairly well intact this year? Well, they weren't broken and thank God they weren't. I had a, a client that 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 uh, out of Amarillo hunted with me. And we let a lot of bulls go for the first three days, trying to kill that magic bull. And, uh, and then on the fourth day, we killed a bull that, that was right at 370. And uh, just a great, big, pretty bull. And, and the hunter said, uh, Frank Lopez guided it and just did, did a great job. He, he's probably, the, my, he is absolutely my best elk guide by far and has been working with me for 35 years him and his brother al lopez they're both just wonderful wonderful guys and he guided that bull and, and it, it was a 370 bull now Dwayne, unit one has a lot of um thick country of course the the fire came through there and opened that up in your opinion it, that's kind of played right into your wheelhouse of being, you know, one of the original guys that, you know, put 15s on a tripod and really liked the glass. How much have you seen the unit change from when you used to hunt it, say, when it had tons of timber, and now that the burn went through, you know, how has it changed and, and has it, you know, has it in essence played right into your hand? 
Oh, Lord, yes. And, uh, you couldn't glass up there to save your life if uh, <clears throat> no way in the world you did very well because there wasn't a lot of glassing places and the, the elk were back in the trees. But, you know, when you burn a half a million acres up, I mean, you've got open hills after open hills, and, and it just enabled that, that aspen growth to explode. And that's why the elk have exploded up there. There's just so much feed, and you can glass those elk early in the late season. It's changed the whole dynamics of, of, all, of, of every aspect of Unit 1 and in 27 both. And it's a lot like 3A and 3C, how that's changed with that, with that fire they had there. You can see now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... You know, normally when we have fires like that, you know, the elk just flock in there on that uh, new burn. Obviously, that burn isn't new, but um, didn't they do some, uh, didn't they plant uh, some rye or something as well? I, he I heard they did. I haven't been up there, so I'm just curious from a guy uh, on the ground, um, did, did the Forest Service come in and, and do some planting? I think they did almost $600,000 worth, if I'm correct. I talked to the Forest Service folks up there, and they flew it uh, out of Springerville, and they flew it with uh, crop duster-type planes and with a slurry, and they, du they dumped that on the ground. And the first year, you could see that like it looked like barley or wheat. I don't know what it was, but it was big clusters of it, and the elk were gorging themselves on it. But the reason they did it was, wasn't for the animals, for... It was for erosion, or they were scared to erosion. death that it was going to flash flood, is what they told me, and and I think that's probably uh, was right. But it helped the elk in every aspect. But the food is just unbelievable up there. There, I think you know one and twenty seven is is still probably the rest of my life will be just premier premier units. Yeah, for sure. Um, Dwayne, have you run into any, or do you hear those wolves up there uh, in that country? Uh, I haven't been up there lately, and, and, and I'm hearing reports that people are seeing more and more wolves up there. We see them about every year. Uh, we do, and, and uh, I've not had any problems with them, thank God. Uh, but we do see them, and we do hear them. Uh, but I'm not, I personally have not witnessed them kill an elk, and, but I'm sure they do. But I haven't seen it or, or seen a resemblance of it. But they've got to be eating something, so they probably are eating elk up there. But I've not seen it, Jay. Yeah. So with, the, with Unit 1 burning, um, I, I've got to think the late hunt success rate has gone up. And, and, and have you noticed any decline in quality of elk uh, as far as bulls? Um, or do you feel like Unit 1 antler growth, you know, it's just as strong as, strong as ever age class and, and, you know, seeing good bulls, or do you, do you notice that it has declined a little bit? Well, you said something earlier. You asked me about the busted horns. That's where the problem is. On the late season, those elk are busted. I just had four elk hunters on the late season. Uh, some of my guides took them up there, and every bull we killed, was busted and every bull that we let go was busted and i'd stay in a day in contact with those guys while i was coos deer hunting and they'd tell me Dwayne, we've seen a 330 or 340 bull today but three of the points were gone and yakety yak you know so it was it it was a, it was trying to find a bull that that was not busted up bad but every one they shot jay was busted you know i think that's one of those things that we're at, as Arizona elk hunters, we're kind of spoiled because 
we love having that intense rut and having those elk bugle and just having that chaos. Uh, but when you've got as many bulls as we do, competition is fierce and those bulls tend to really fight. Um, and, you know, it's a double-edged sword. And then our late hunts are not near as good as, you know, maybe some of the other states where they're, you know, they don't ever shoot a broken bull. Um, but I guess if I had to choose, I'd rather have that intense rut and have that chaos that we all um, have grown to love for sure. I think you're 100% right. Uh, you know, there's a lot of units. I tell guys that that, that uh, the bull-cow ratio is not, not, not quite as strong, so the bulls have a tendency to, to carry their horns better. But, you know, it, there's a lot of bulls in Unit 1, so they're fighting. And something I realized, they're fighting way after – that 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 I would consider the rut being over, but apparently it's not over because they're busted all the heck by the time the 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 November late rifle season comes around. I mean, there there's some big bulls with whole beams gone. Yeah, I think there's a lot of stuff that goes on in October that you know typically you've been up there for thirty or forty days, and maybe you get a chance to go back home and you know, you get that second or third cycle and uh, there seems like there's quite a bit of intensity because I'll agree with you. I've seen it in cases where, you know, you kind of leave the end of the archery or even those early rifle hunts and yeah, a few bulls are broken here and there and then all of a sudden every bull on the late hunts broke. I mean, they've got to be breaking them between, you know, the last time you saw them. So it's, um, it, it shows me that there's, you know, still some intensity going on in, in October on those seconds. Uh, cycle. Dwayne, uh, you spent uh, time up on the Kaibab uh, this year, uh, as always. How many years have you been going up, and how would you say the season was up there on the plateau? I've been there 38 years this year guiding at the Kaibab, and I've been there just about every season, early and late. Uh, uh, sometimes I can't say the whole season. Sometimes I spend half the season on, on the early. But I've been there on just about every late season they've had on the east or west side. And this year was a little bit different than most years that we, we get there. There was a very amount of lack of water. And it's the first time in my life of guiding up there that the game and fish had been hauling water for three weeks before the season, uh, and Todd Buck, uh, a game warden up there, is doing a great job because I talked to him, and and they had trucks and trailers and and they had every kind of of app of equipment that you can imagine filling them up hauling to those drinkers because they had not got a drop of water since since August, he said. Wow! And all so, of the drinkers, Jay, were were the, on top. Five drinkers that I went to were empty, and they were trying to fill them up. and And I couldn't believe why they're empty. But finally, I realized why the deer were drinking them to death. I mean, they'd put five hundred gallons in there, and there'd be a hundred deer drinking around the thing. And within a couple of days, it was empty. So, I I mean, they were fighting a real battle, and the deer started to migrate. And they were all the way down to jump up and all the way to the highway on top. And it, so it spread the deer out so thin that thank God we've hunted there so many years that we just kept hitting hole after hole after hole. And, and uh, we had 10 clients, and we killed 10 bucks, and we killed one buck that was 200 inches. And I, I mentioned Frank Lopez and Al Lopez. Well, Al Lopez's boy, Eric Lopez, guided for me this year. And and 
he killed he guided the buck that was 200 inches and we killed it set in water that's exactly how we killed it really wow so i would think if it's really dry it would con congregate the deer but what you're saying is it was so dry that the deer were spread out all over the place well it's just the opposite of what i would thought too what i think happened is those drinkers dried up on top and the deer just started falling off to the next drinkers down. That's the only thing that I can surmise out of the whole darn thing because there was lots of drinkers dry, all the tanks were dry, and I think those deer just started falling down automatically to the next water, which was mid-range around Middle Mountain and in the Oaks, and they just kept going all the way to jump up. One of the guys went down to jump up. He said there's hundreds of deer down there. I couldn't believe it. I went down there the next day. I mean, there was. There was deer all over down there. So when you have deer from jump up all the way to the top of, uh, of the highway, it's not, there's not that many numbers. So that, that, that spreads those deer thin. Yeah. As far across the board with uh, all the other hunters up there, um, was success uh, fairly normal, or would you say it was up or down this year uh, across the board, not just in your camp? I think it was about normal, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't. I I know they killed two or three bucks in the in the two twenties and two thirties. Uh, I I I got that out of out of the the game of fish check station that there was, there was a, a lady that killed a gigantic buck and a couple other guys that killed you know bucks of of, of just unbelievable magnitude uh, on the early season. They usually don't kill those kind of deer on the early season, but they kill them in the mid range. Uh, uh, down around the tanks instead of those deer staying up high. So they, I really believe that they were they were thirsty and they just started dropping down to the next level. Yeah, for sure. So um, you just got off a coos deer hunt. Um, I assume it was this uh, season that kind of the first part of December season that you just got off of. I I did and. I have some hunters that's hunted with me. The gentleman that, that, that just I just guided just killed his 21, 21st buck with me. He's killed 21 bucks with me. That and, is incredible. And he's been hunting with me for uh, over 30 years, and he's been a great friend. He's a doctor out of Las Vegas. And he's, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing, and he's 74 years old, and, uh, you know, I'm 63, and, you know, we've just putted around there and found buck after buck after buck and just kept letting them go. And then finally he killed a nice buck yesterday, and he's killed two booted crocket bucks with me over the years. But, you know, 74 years old and still out there chasing coos deer, you got to give him a, a lot of kudos for that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really neat story. Um, Dwayne, what are you seeing out there as far as it's obviously dry in the coos deer woods as well? Um, I've, I've been getting a few sporadic reports of guys saying they're seeing um, bucks chasing does, and, and I'm curious if you saw any of that, and, and I wonder if it has anything to do with it being as dry as it is, congregating them around water, or they may be interacting a little bit more, or did you not see any, any pre-rut activity? I did see that yesterday. Uh, I, I seen about an 85-inch deer chasing a doe all over a hill, and I and I told Doc, I said, look at that. I said, I said, look at that. I mean, he chased that doe up one side and down the other and all around, just like they would in December and January. But I will say this, Jay, we found all the deer around water, and I don't mean like drinking around water, but if I got away from that water, 
I I did not find the numbers. It was several canyons that I'm hunting. Uh, the first day I I'd go in there like like normal, and I found no deer. I didn't find no bucks, no does, no fawns. And after about an hour, I told Doc, "We got to move." I said, "They're not here, and I don't know why, but they're not." <laughs> well, about ten o'clock, I went over to another canyon, and I know that there there's some a spring there, and there was forty seven deer in that canyon, and the light went on. I said. Holy mackerel, they're around this water. We went to that little spring, and it looked like Africa. They had stomped it to death, and they were drinking it. And so I just stayed around that area there and kept looking, and that that's where we killed the bucks. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, but, I mean, even as much experience as you have, you go to those canyons where you know there's puddles down there in the bottom of those canyons, but, I mean, a hundred and some days without moisture and such, I mean, I think it's, I mean, it, it seems as though this, this stretch of with no rain is like, I mean, one of the longest that I can remember. And, uh, you know, with these December, mid-December hunts coming up, uh, you know, it, it does, it, here in Phoenix at least, there's, you know, seven-day forecast I was looking at today, actually out to 10-day, and there's nothing even in sight. Um, would you encourage people that have these uh, mid-December tags to make sure that they're, hunting around perennial water where not just canyons where they're used to water being in because it's they're flat out dry but you know stick to those places where there's some dirt tanks and and um where they know that there's water they'll find deer listen i just told you a minute ago and you you know this because you're a, a good coos deer hunter as well when a buck chases a doe up and down the hill for 30 minutes all around sooner or later they got to get a drink and, and it, yeah. it's really that simple so when they're chasing them deer and in that area like that, if you're if you're around water, those deer have had to migrate there. I mean, I'm talking about probably early November. They had to move over there because Jay, we haven't had a drop since August, just like the Kaibab and and up on Unit One, and it's taken a toll. There was dirt tank after dirt tank that I looked at down south. They were empty, and when I was scouting down there early. September, just I mean, late September after the elk hunt, all those tanks had water, and so they're gone. There, there's zero water at it, and those deer have had to go get a drink someplace. Yeah, for sure. You know, one thing that worries me about that is, um, especially in our coos deer um, woods out there, is when it, when they get congregated around water, I feel like they're really subject to you know predators. Um, you know, lions being able to, you know, they're not stupid either and be able to, uh, you know, hone in on those deer. And um, I, I hope we can get some moisture soon because it's, they sure seem like sitting ducks, not only to hunters, uh, but to the predators out there as well. Um, did you guys see any uh, lions or anything in this last trip? I just get ready to tell you about that. One of the tanks that we checked, it looked looked like Africa. The deer had beat to death. It also had several tracks of lions. And uh, uh-huh. my son-in-law, Nick Tabaka, he said, look at that, Dwayne. I said, I said, Nick. I knew seven or eight different lion tracks there, and they were different size. So it was probably a female with, with, uh, with cubs half-grown or whatever. And uh, I called uh, Nick, in fact, he had called Andy Knowlton, uh, uh, a lion hunter down there, and we told him exactly where that that, that tank was, and, and and the lion sign that we had seen there, and so hopefully he he gets after those lions with a with a hunter. Yeah, for sure. It's um, 
I really hope we can get some moisture. So looking forward, let's say that um, for those people out there with tags in their pocket, uh, let's say Dwayne that really, you know, between now and, and uh, the end of the year, uh, we don't get many storms. Uh, not only focusing on water, but are you expecting these deer to, to be a little more ruddy, or would you think they're in drought conditions and maybe the does won't cycle? What's your thoughts on that? Because I feel like it could go either way. Well, let me, let, let, me, let me back up a minute. They didn't have an acorn crop in the Kaibab, and we did not have an acorn crop in the Catalinas or any of the units that I'm looking at because I'd walk up to those trees. So the normal deer that were feeding around the acorns they're they're not there jay there's there's no food for those deer in that a, in that acorn in that acorn area so they drop you know the deer is going to drop down into the cactus and feed on the the barrel cactus tops and and the and the choya patches and stuff like that we started hunting some of that country as well down there and and i think those deer are doing a little better because we see it Almost all the barrel cactuses were just, you could see they were being ate, and we watched several does and several bucks just eating those those uh, choya patches, eating those little balls off there. So I think th those deer in, that, in the desert are get, getting some moisture out of the cactus. But when you get back up in the mountains, like when we hunt high sometimes, those deer are struggling up there because there's literally not the food, and I watched them just eat grass, long yellow grass, and pick it, pick it, and just chew it, eat it in like, like a piece of spaghetti, and I told my son-in-law, I said, that's not normal, Nick. I said, that's the first time I've really seen those deer just stay in that yellow grass and eat it instead of just trying to pick around and pick up some of the different forbs. So I think that the drought is really starting to, to pay a bad dividends for us as hunters. Yeah, it's a little bit alarming for sure. So what you're saying is normally you see them, uh, you, you don't see them grazing on grass. You, you, you see them bro eating browse, but you're thinking that because of the lack of moisture, the, the browse, the forbs were not there, so they're forced to, you know, eat some of that grandma grass and some of that stuff that they, they really don't like, but they, they they have to eat something. That's exactly what I've seen. I it, you know, not only did I see one deer, I've probably seen 50 deer. They were doing the exact same thing, uh, picking off that grass that's 12, 14, 16 inches long and just picking it up and chewing it and, and chewing it all the way in. And, you know, I've seen them do that before, but not in the numbers that I've that I seen now. Usually they're picking on, you know, Okatia leaves or they're picking on different types of cactuses or especially if the acorns hit the ground, those deer just gorge themselves eating those acorns, but there's zero acorns. They, for whatever reason, we did not have an acorn uh, anywhere in, in the state, and, and it's made a big difference. Dwayne, those acorns, uh, for the people out there listening, um, do you feel like that's a, a crop, uh, you know, from our oaks that comes every year, um, or is it cyclical, or, or is it one of those that, you know, every couple of years it's stronger than others, but every year there's some sort of crop, and it and sounds like you're saying there's zero crop, like no acorns at all. I didn't see any, Jay, and, and, I, and okay. I looked at hundreds of trees from the Kaibab down to the coos deer, and I never found an acorn. And I do think it's that there's generally 
some acorns in some places and maybe not as many in other places. I mean, I've seen that a lot. You know, there's different types of acorns out there, you know, the scrub, and then you've got the trees and you've got all different things, but none of them had, a, none of them had any kind of, of, and I think that the deer are struggling. A lot of places that I hunted, Jade, that I have killed lots of bucks in, I never seen a deer in, not a doe, a fawn, and, and the droppings weren't there. And it didn't take me very long to realize, me and the guys worked with me, we got to change our taxis because they're not here. And so that's when we yeah. started going to the water. You talk about choya cactus, and I assume you're talking about the staghorn choya with the little yellow buds on it. And, and if you look at it, there's the, the teddy bear or the jumping choya that falls off. But then I think you're talking about the staghorn choya that looks more like a churro, like you'd eat at a, at, at a um, county fair or no, something, you know. It's no, kinda, no, 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 I'm, I'm talking about the teddy bear. They, okay. they like okay. the one you're talking about, too, the staghorn cactus as well. But the, the fruit that I've seen on the staghorn cactus, they've already gorged themselves on it. The ones that they could get to, get to it was all gone. The ones that were above that the deer couldn't get to, they were still there. So they've, they've just about ate all of that that, they, that that they're. And so right now they're eating the teddy bear choya, those little balls is what they're eating, all yeah. those little tiny balls that hangs down. And that's, that's, we've seen a lot of deer just gorge themselves on those. Okay, and so for me it seems like, I, you know, I haven't been down in southern Arizona um, as of late. I've been in Colorado. But, you know, to me they're going to eat all the staghorn first and then they're going to go to the teddy bear. So when you see them eating that, that that's telling me exactly what you're saying, that, like, they are, they are in, you know, they're very close to probably being in rough shape. That's right. I think that's exactly right. I, there was a, this morning, I tried to help a 14-year-old boy uh, kill a deer this morning. Uh, his dad guides for me, and we, we guided him this morning. And we found a, 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 a cactus that you're talking about, and all of the fruit was just above, and it looked like you'd went around and picked all the cactus that were around the thing, but above it, where the deer couldn't get to, you could see the tracks all the way around the, the cactus, and, and, and the light went on. I said, that's what they've done. They're just going from cactus to cactus and getting what they can get. Very interesting. Um, as far as the grass out there, you know, the yellow grass in the areas you were hunting, was it also, could you really tell it was really droughty? I mean, had the cattle eaten it down and was it just a dust bowl out there? Or, um, you know, did the vegetation appear to be in, in decent shape? No, it's in bad shape. It's, it's in bad okay. shape. It may be as in bad shape as I've seen in, in, my, in my lifetime because, uh, just exactly what you, say, you said, it's been way over 100 days, and we haven't had had any kind of real precipitation. And if we don't get some, I'm, I, I, I'm, we could be in a real trouble. I, I don't know. I'm not a biologist. I don't know about the cycles of dough come in or note come in. I don't have a clue about that. But I do know one thing, that they got to have a drink sooner or later. And, and sooner or later, they're, right now, they're running out of water. Yeah. Yeah, um, I would assume then the oaks kind of have that orange look to them and everything, you know, the mesquite, every, there's no mesquite, everything looks dead, right? 
pretty much. Well, what happened is it looks like those a lot of the old trees are going into some like a like shock. Uh, like a dormant, dormant stage. That's exactly what you're right about, how they turn orange and they start to drop leaves. But other ridges, do, it won't be that way. You can see it's still green, but you go the next ridge over, and they're, they went into shock, So, uh, and they're dropping the leaves already. And, and, and I, was, I was telling Doc, the hunter was me, I said, that, that's, that's nature telling that tree to go into survival mode, so it's le dropping its leaves. Yeah, for sure, and I would assume the Ocotillos have zero leaves as well, right? That's correct. There are zero leaves. There is no food there, and so again, you know, these I think these deer are struggling, and I think they're going to struggle until we get some real moisture. And I pray to God we get a bunch of snow, and we get a bunch of real good rains here in the next few weeks, or, or uh, who knows what's going to happen. I mean, the deer will survive. I know that, but. Maybe the fawns won't survive. I mean, uh, there's a lot yeah. there that I don't know about, but I, I darn sure know that they've got to get some water pretty soon. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think anybody out there listening that, that you know, has tags in their pocket or they're going to go out on those over-the-counter, you know, archery deer hunts that are coming up here uh, this Friday, I believe, and or the, the, the archers that are going to go out January 1st, um, you know, you heard it here from Dwayne, I think, really, really focus and, and hone in on water. I think it's, you know, if, if you want a, a, a tactic, find glassing points, and Dwayne, you weigh in on this, find glassing points where you know there's two or three water sources, you know, in the canyon or in proximity, and you're probably going to find more deer. And, um, you know, don't, don't go through the same thing that Dwayne had to hunt for a day or so and figure it out. Like immediately look at your topo maps and figure out where the the, the, the perennial water is, where it's going to be, you know, the wettest, and where where those tanks where the where the deer have access to the most water, and you're going to be, you know, probably a leg up uh, going into it. Uh, Jay, something else I was going to tell you: we glassed probably a 175, maybe a 180 a mule deer. It had 22 does already. And four really? satellite bucks. He was already rutting those does this early right now. And we watched well, it. I videotaped it. I videotaped the deer chasing the does and trying to run the smaller bucks off. This is early, early, early to me to be that kind of deer chasing those does like that. I mean, you generally don't see a deer like that till after Christmas and maybe early in January. And I don't know if the if the moisture has done it. I'm not going to act like I know, but I will say this: he had 22 does and three satellite bucks, and he was a darn nice buck chasing does. One thing I would speculate, Dwayne, curious your thoughts on it. If kind of we touched on it earlier, like when it is dry and they're forced to congregate in certain areas, it allows them to kind of bunch up. And when they bunch up, you know, those bucks are kind of you know, typical males, they just kind of, they, they have one thing on their mind pretty much the whole time. And do you think that, you know, do you think bio, biologically that the, the does are actually coming in or do you think it's more of the, that, you know, he's, he's got a group there and he's kind of got them gathered up and so he's, he's acting ready? I don't know, Jay. I, you know, one thing you learn about me is I don't want to carry on something that I don't have a clue about. I don't know. It could be either one of them. It could be either way. But I do know that that's the earliest that I've seen them rut. That was three days ago. 
You know, you think yeah. about on uh, three days ago. That's early part of December, and this this buck was full blown rut. He was chasing. His neck was swollen up. He tore up seven different trees while we were watching him with the does. And, and I mean, he had twenty two does. He already had them gathered, and it might be because they're close to water. I, I don't know, but maybe one of those does went into estrus because he was on one doe up the hill, down the hill. He was all over her for you know until he literally went out of, out of our eyesight. So you know this is dark, almost two to three weeks early. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Dwayne, looking forward, do you um, have any openings for these hunts coming up? If anybody um, needs a guide, do you have openings and um, are, are do you have uh, hunters you're going to be with after Christmas or anything on these coos deer hunts, or what's your schedule? We could take a rifle coos deer hunter, but archery, I thank the Lord Jesus. I'm booked up, Jay. I'm booked up okay. for this year, and, and I'm starting to get booked up for next year, and, and thank God. But, uh, but we, we could take, we could take our, our late rifle hunter, uh, if anybody's interested. We'd be love to take him and, and try to kill him a monster buck. Right on, man. Well, it's always great talking to you. Um, it's always uh, great getting that much experience and, and getting to um, kind of pick your brain and what have you. And um, I know you've been out on a hunt, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go. But I, I just uh, appreciate uh, all the knowledge that you've shared with us. And over the years, you know, I've gone to many seminars of yours and um, read your book, and you're very, very well respected. And I love the passion you still have for hunting and and um yeah just wish you the best of success on all your hunts you have coming up and congratulate you on on your fall that you've had already well thank you very much you always say very nice things and and god bless you as well uh what one thing i want to end it with we did kill a 213 on the late hunt and it was 33 inches wide and and it was rutting hard, and we and, and we did kill that on the late hunt. I had four hunters, and we killed three bucks over a, a one eighty, close to one ninety, and one to score two thirteen. Wow, that's awesome! Um, and that two thirteen was that on uh, uh, Kaibab, or was that on the um, twelve B? No, they're they're all on the Kaibab. They're all the bucks were killed on the Kaibab. Yes. That's fantastic. That's um, is that the one I'm looking at your Instagram page and you're you're holding and it's a it's a tripod buck on on its left yep. side. It's got three. Yeah, that's a beautiful buck. Yeah, uh, John Weiler guided it for me, and he's been guiding for me for 20 years. He's a firefighter out of Phoenix. Him and his brother Rick Weiler, they're both wonderful people, and he guided that buck uh, from a gentleman out of Oregon. And and I mean it's it's it it's it's a monster buck. I mean, it, it, anybody want to kill a buck like that in a lifetime? It looks like it's got a ton of mass. Um, just a beautiful buck, nice and wide, big, big, heavy beam, long beam buck. Uh, encourage the listeners. Um, you can check the show notes of this podcast, but you can go check it out on Dwayne's Instagram page. That's D U W A N E Adams Hunting. Dwayne Adams Hunting. Uh, and then, uh, uh, Dwayne, uh, why don't you also tell uh, the listeners how they can reach you and how they can see more about you? You bet. You can call me at 520-385-4995. Uh, would love to call and talk to anybody. Uh, and I've been on Jay's 
podcast many times. A lot of guys have called, and I, I like to help people. I, 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 I wish more outfitters would help people because it, we're all in this boat t- together. If we lose our rights, ain't nobody going to be hunting. So we all got to stay in the same boat and try to help folks. And But give me a call, and, and my webpage is Arizona Big Game Hunting, and, and uh, just give me a call, and I'd love to talk to you. I also wrote a book on coos deer, and I got a book on mule deer, and I'd love to get that in your hands. I, I try to put as much information there for for top guides or, or beginners, so it, it would help everybody. Well, I appreciate that, Dwayne. Uh, uh, God bless you, man, and uh, knock him dead over the next couple weeks, okay? God bless you, Jay. You're a quality man. God bless you. All right, buddy. Take care.